Hello, and welcome in to a victory edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is the October 5th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast, brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Joining me, as always, is our co-host, Christian Ainsworth, and I'm Price Carter. Christian, how did you digest the Chiefs' victory this week? Um, In two different parts. One, while drinking on Sunday, and then once again on Monday after being hungover. So there's, there's been two parts. We, we'll kind of see where it meshes together. What about you? Well, first off, I'd like to point out that one of the, you know, God has not given me many gifts in life, but um, I'm 28 years old and I have been hungover once in my adult life um, and juvenile life. Proud to state that, that I'm not a hangover guy, um, which is really something considering the amount of alcohol that I have consumed in that time period. But I too also watch the game twice, but Usually I, what I'll do is I'll watch the game very closely the first time, take notes, and then I'll just watch the highlights. Usually they do a little cut up where they kind of just do some of the most important plays. But I watched it twice because on Sunday we had my son's first birthday party. Um, His actual birthday is tomorrow, but um, we had a bunch of people over. We've got Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. We got like 10 pounds of barbecue, spent like crazy amount of money on barbecue but the worst thing happened. Everyone didn't eat it all. So now I've just been eating leftovers. So that's been great. But it was awesome time. It was fun to get everyone together, watch the game. We had the game going in like five different TVs in the house. So people got to spread out and hang out and watch the game. So that was great. Um, and then obviously I rewatched it just because I didn't catch a whole lot of it. I was helping Baylor smash some cake and all that jazz. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was good to see them get back in the win column. It, it felt very um, you know, they always like to tweet out a picture of a player in a suit and call it a business trip whenever they go and play a game on the road. But the Chiefs had business to take care of, and I felt like they took care of it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you outlined it perfectly. They took care of business on Sunday. And I'm just going to go through a few stats here and, and you can kind of tell me how they hit you. So as far as good things, Clyde ran for 102 yards, which in your face, by the way, he's still first round player Tyreek had 186 yards and the defense had three sacks those are three things I think a lot of people were concerned about that got cleared up on Sunday yeah um I you know I think that I think for a long time the offense and I'm actually going to write a piece about this here in a couple of weeks I, I think that we might be seeing the best iteration of this offense we've seen yet and I know that sounds weird to say because you can say like, well, how, how can you say that? You know, they had uh, Kareem Hunt and, you know, a younger Sammy Watkins in 2018. But right now, Patrick Mahomes is on pace to throw for 60 touchdowns and 5,100 yards. Now, a lot of that's the kiss from the 17th game. But there's a real chance that we might be watching the best statistical season of Patrick Mahomes' career right now. And going back to the Clyde Edwards-Alaire comment that you made, um, I've got two points to that. The first is, is that I think that it is very important that this team learn how to run the ball. I, that is something that they have desperately needed the last couple of years in getting that. And you think back to some of their best games that they have played, like in the Super Bowl, if you go back and watch the highlights of the 2019 Super Bowl, they ran the ball very efficiently, efficiently with Damian Williams. The Chiefs have needed to be able to run the ball. And that, you know, gives them the ability to punish teams who are dropping way back. I, you know, I think that that's a great development, especially with the offensive line interior that they have. All that's very, very good. Now, in regards to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I am totally okay with this offense running the ball more, which, you know, 
feels a little blasph- blasphemous to say in general. But my problem is, is that people take a victory lap about Clyde Edwards Lair when, you know, he is getting the bulk of the carries. And still, I mean, I, I'm not going to crap on the fact that he had 100 yards, but he's he's definitely getting the most opportunity. You know, you think about fantasy football, like, what do you want more than anything? Volume. Um, he's definitely getting the volume, and I'm okay with that. I still would like to see more Jarek McKinnon in there. I still feel like some of those runs that he had tw- that were 20 yards could have been taken to the house, um, and he's still struggling in pass protection. There was a sack that um, Edward Delaire basically did nothing to prevent. Um, but in general, you know, I'm never going to complain about a player having a 100-yard game, and I think that him coming along and Andy going back to him after the fumbles was – a big point of emphasis and if they can continue to get this production out of him it just means bigger and better things for the offense so you said something about the majority of the carries it's actually not that big of a split like he had 14 and daryl had 10 which is crazy to me when you think back on the game i don't remember daryl being in there for that long but i four four more carries I, yeah just that, does, that does extremely surprise surprising me. yeah when you look at the box score that does surprise me um, and I mean, I, I think that's, that's even a, a better sign because I think Daryl Williams does some things really well that Clyde doesn't, including pass protection, but also, uh, Daryl is always running downhill. He's always got his nose towards the end zone. Um, and I, you know, I think, I, I think I read it somewhere. Let me pull it up, but I'm pretty sure Clyde had like, was averaging seven yards, seven yards per carry. And the offensive line just looked really, really stout, especially the interior. I think, you know, we talked a little bit with Sully about how the offensive line was probably going to start slow and take some time to grow into what it's going to be. Um, I think that's still good news on the tackles because I, while I think that the tackles are being sufficient and allowing Mahomes to be successful, obviously, um, there's still some room to be desired for them in pass protection. But the offensive line is really starting to come into shape in the interior. Creed Humphrey is currently PFS third overall center in football as, you know, four games into his rookie season. Um, Trey Smith is the 12th overall guard and Joe Tooney is up to 11th. Um, and who knows, maybe it's just that the Eagles had an awful defensive line, but all of that is a really big development for the offense for sure. Oh yeah. And thank goodness, right? Beach putting all that time and effort into rebuilding it, all those assets. It's, it's going to be nice. And you even put a highlight up of your on your Twitter of Orlando Brown coming in and, and doing some pancakes. He, he's honestly surprised me as much as anybody this season. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it is exactly what we expected. We we expected a guy who was going to struggle at times in the pass protection, especially against speed rushers. I mean, I think his worst game was definitely the game that he faced Miles Garrett, which I feel like most tackles can say that face Miles Garrett in a season. But, um, you know, I saw him and Nate Taylor noted this too, that Orlando Brown was just loving running the ball. He was really getting into it. And again, I know that that is, I know that at times that can be frustrating because you're taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands and it feels counterintuitive, but guys, you have to remember that some of these teams that in recent years that have went and won the Super Bowl, running the ball is a crucial part of that. Um, You know, you go back to, a lot of the Tom Brady Super Bowls that those were teams that could efficiently run the ball. You have to be able to play both ways. You know, you got to be able to play uh, funk and jazz. You got to be able to play country and blues. Like you got to be able to do both. And this offense developing that I think is a really good sign. And another good sign that I thought 
was teams are making such a concerted effort to take away Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, but you can't take away both. We've not seen a team do it yet. So the last two games, Travis Kelsey went off for over 100 yards each time. And then today, or not today, uh, on Sunday against the Eagles, the Eagles took the alternate poison and tried to shut down Travis Kelsey, which they did fairly well, four receptions for 23 yards. But then Tyreek Hill goes absolutely bonkers. Three touchdowns, 178 yards. Um, it just goes to show you that you, the way that this offense is, you cannot take away both. Oh, and as long as we're talking about positives here, uh, the defense held the, uh, the Eagles to 47 yards rushing from their number one rusher, Jalen Hurts. So an, another plus, we're finally getting that run defense. Um, pass defense, however, is kind of a different story. I think Hurts threw for 387 yards. Yeah, which... um, I'm, I'm going to hold my water on the rushing thing. There's been, I mean, Nick Sirianni ran the ball three times against the Cowboys the week before. They ran with a running back, that is. Um, and, you know, they just had seven attempts with a running back this week um yes Jalen hurt the the yards per uh, attempt on the rush definitely look better and you know the Chiefs defense does deserve some credit for that because I'm sure if they had had success in the run early going they would have kept coming back to it they shut it down and that's the thing the, the Chiefs don't have to be world beaters on run defense if they can just shut down teams from doing it when they need to that's really all they need but yes the pass protect the pass defense is um, getting extremely wor worrisome. Yeah, and while we're on the topic here, um, I think Daniel Harms, he was the first person that I saw say this, so I don't know if anybody else, if, if it's been reported elsewhere or anything. Juan Thornhill, apparently they're saying that his knee, they're not 100% on his knee, and that's why he played a whole bunch of snaps the first game, went down the second game, went back a little bit up the third, and then once again rising up in the fourth how, how does that feel to you? I mean, it's, it's a well, lot better it's, than what I thought was going on, which is he was in the doghouse for some reason. Well, uh, two things on that. First off, that sounds just about right, because the Chiefs as an organization have sucked at taking care of t players with ACL injuries. This goes back to Tamba Hali. This goes back to Justin Houston. Goes back to, wait, did Justin Houston have an ACL tear or did I dream that? I'm pretty sure he mm -hmm. did. I don't know. Maybe know. not. Maybe it's not Justin Houston, uh, Jamal Charles, Eric yep. Berry. Some of these long term injuries that the Chiefs have, they have a pro they have like a problem that is habitual where players that like in other organizations, they get these injuries. They have a standard recovery and then they come back and they're fine. But in the Chiefs, they make it like if a player gets an ACL or an Achilles, it's like a two year deal with the Chiefs. And for some I don't know what they do. Uh, there for a while, they were going to James Andrews, which is kind of, who used to be the household name, but has recently had some issues and people have stopped going to him. But I just remember that with Jamal Charles, where, you know, he was supposed to come back and it kept taking longer. And then he came back for a few games and it, it never was the same. And it was the same thing with um, Derek Johnson after the Achilles. Obviously, the Eric Berry situation was a mess, too. The Chiefs struggle with this. So that that checks out to me. Um, and. I'll have to go back and look because this is a story that's died down because Juan Thornhill is the only recent player that's had an injury like that um, since the Eric Berry deal. Um, and then the other thing is, is, you know, I'm not saying that Daniel Harms doesn't know what he's talking about or anything like that, but if that's the case that he's injured, 
why can they not come out and just say that his knee is still bothering him? That's 100% more respectful to the player and keeps the fan base at bay rather than saying like, oh, well, you know, Daniel Sorensen had the better camp. Just, just tell us he's injured or he's still like not 100%. We can complain about it, but at least we're not sitting here calling for Spags's head. And I see people like tweet out shit like free Thornhill, justice for Thornhill. Like it's a, like it's a movement or something, you know, like just tell us he's injured. Well, I think it kind of boils down to Andy Reid being the guy to put it on himself, right? Like, because if he comes out and say, oh, he's still injured and his rehab hasn't gone as planned, that puts all of it on that uh, physical therapist role that the Chiefs have, their trainers. And I think it's just kind of a stand-up move to go ahead and say, you know what? We won't say anything on this. Juan Juan seems okay with what's going on. I mean, he's had some pretty weird tweets, but you know, he's in a room with Tyron Matthew for, you know, 40 hours a week. There's going to be some weird tweets, but anyway, he, uh, I I just think it's a stand-up move. I think that's probably what he's doing and, and trying to keep, you know, if if anybody's going to yell at him, it's going to be him. Yeah. And I, you know, when it comes to, and I think the reason why we cling to Juan Thornhill so much is because he's something that we don't see on the field right now. And we're hopeful that somehow he, the solution lies within. Because at this point with the defense, the the only hope that there is, other than players who are playing bad to play better, which is always possible, is Frank Clark coming back and producing something, because so far he's given nothing. Um, Willie Gay appears he was activated off of IR today, so he's on track to play this week, hopefully. And then, obviously, it should be noticed or noticed that um, – Rashad Fenton and Shavarius Ward were also out for this game. And you know what? Um, DeAndre Baker and um, Mike Hughes looked like the third and fourth corner for sure this week. Um, Mike Hughes got worked by Devonta Smith a few times. So um, other than other than that, you're just hoping that players start playing better, which at this point kind of feels a little silly. So, you know, I think the Juan Thornhill thing is all related to that. The only the only chance that the Chiefs defense really takes a turn is that they get those players back and start playing better. But then again, the Chiefs defense has been pretty healthy so far. I know we just mentioned some players that are injured, but you know, you're you're always one snap away from losing a key guy for the season. I mean, where is this defense going to be if Legarius Sneed goes down or if Chris Jones goes down for an extended period of time? Well, and can I get on my soapbox for a second? Because I think Willie Gay is about to be burned at the stake when he comes back. We don't know what he is yet. You realize that like a a lot of fans are coming back saying, oh, Willie coming back, he's going to completely change this defense. And and I think that he'll have an impact for sure. I mean, getting a rookie off the field and Nick Bolton and, you know, hopefully Ben Neiman just a little bit, maybe if I pray hard enough is going to help a little bit, but we don't know what he is. There's a reason Spags didn't play him a whole lot his rookie year, and that's because he had virtually no college reps. Like, the, the reps he was in, he played well. That doesn't mean you have an understanding of the defense. And I think a lot of people are banking on Willie Gay coming back and changing this defense, and he's going to come back and be an average linebacker with you know that's athletic and has better sideline-to-sideline speed, maybe a little bit better in coverage but they're going to think that he's going to completely change this defense. And I don't see that happening. We, I mean, unless I, I know he had a good camp, but so did Daniel Sorensen and you, you see where that is. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to uh, tamper expectations for him. 
to me, the thing that he really offers is going to just be athleticism in two aspects. I think, you know, this game, we saw the Chiefs get tore up by the uh, tight end position again. Um, that's been a struggle for them for a while. Obviously, the Bills would be a great team. There's Dawson Knox, who's okay, but not a great tight end. But some of the Chiefs, uh, some of the opponents that lie in the Chiefs' future are going to be tight end dependent teams. You know, you look at the Raiders, obviously the Bucks, if they make it that far with Gronk. So if Gate can come back and really cover those tight ends better, that would be a major improvement. And then to me, it just jumps off the screen watching Nick Bolton try to protect the perimeter against rushing quarterbacks or rushers in general. If Willie Gay can be that guy to get to the sideline more um, and more quickly and protect that out, that boundary, I think that that'll be a huge upgrade for the defense as well. He, while I do agree with you that we need to tamper expectations, there is a little bit of, he might be the tide that rises all boats because if he's doing his job, that allows Nick Bolton to stop being literally abused in pass, in pass coverage as often um, and get him to doing the things that he does well, which is running downhill. Um, so there's, there's optimism for that. But, I mean, at this point, for me, I'm just assuming that the Chiefs are 2018 Chiefs, that we're just, you know, we're balls to the wall, going to score as much as possible, as often as possible. And listening to some of the reports from Ian Rappaport, and um, the Chiefs are already glowing about Josh Gordon. And the Chiefs are not an organization that does that very often. They don't normally, like, leak optimistic stuff like that. So they're leaking that for a reason. I think that they are seriously pleased with what they see with Josh Gordon. And if he's anything like they're talking him up to be, we could be looking at the best statistical year of Mahomes' career for sure, like I was alluding to earlier. Yeah, which – I mean, thank goodness we're going to need every yard he brings us, every touchdown he throws, because our defense has been lackluster, to say the least. I mean, doing my own ratings, and, and I do this throughout every team for this season, as the weeks progress, you know, I, I factor in a whole bunch of different things, but I, I chart which offenses are running the best, which defenses are playing the best. And I think I have the Chiefs at number one. And if you look at all the metrics, I think that's a fair assessment. And the defense at 31, which is not, I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that they're the 31 best defense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, one thing to look at is that the sky is that, you know, the limit is only up like, you know, they can't really go that much further down. So there's reason to be optimistic there, but yeah. Um, you know, there's nothing that really can't be said about the defense that hasn't been said at this point. Yeah. The only other thing that I'm yep. going to say is I'm ready to start seeing Tyron Matthew um, step up to be this leader that he's chalked up to be. There are a lot of times that he is just as much a part of the issue as other players. And I'm willing to listen to the idea that the reason why he's po playing poorly is because he's too busy making up for other people's mistakes, which is totally possible, or he's playing in a position that he's not as good at. But um, man, I, you know, PFF does not like him. I see things on the screen. Again, I'm not a film guy, but I see things on the screen where a uh, 170-pound Devonta Smith is um, giving him a hard time to bring to the ground. That just kind of makes me wonder a little bit if he's the type of guy that we want to make the highest-paid safety in the NFL. Well, and you said part of the excuse there, which 
he's making up for other players, which you can use that for anybody. Like, oh, Chris Jones isn't in position because he's trying to make up for other players. I don't know if it's as much that as it is positioning, because you look at his snaps at free safety, which he is not great at at all. And, and playing man coverage on X receivers, things like that, where they can really body him and, and play him up. He's been asked to do that a lot this season. And I think part of that's because Juan, I think, you know, they, they can't put Daniel Sorensen back there because he's even worse at the free safety position. I think once Juan comes back, he'll, he'll make him play a little bit better. And I mean, we were missing two of our other secondary guys this game too. So I don't, I don't think he's playing. I don't think he is. How do I want to say this? I don't think he's the player that he's been playing as the past couple of weeks, but I also do think that, you know, I, I wouldn't know if I would pay him to be the number one safety as well. He's a great leader. He's a great player. I think he can play multiple positions across the secondary. I think he hits hard. I think he's got a good mentality, but he's getting older. And we, we said this before the season even started. I think there's a time and place for play, for paying players. And I think that the Chiefs have missed on that. Look at Justin Houston. Look at Eric Berry. Look at Dontari Poe. I mean, like there, there are countless examples. Now that was in the John Dorsey era. So, I mean, we're a little detached from that, but. Look at Frank Clark. Yeah. Look at Frank Clark. <clears throat> you know, there was a time there that everyone thought we, we just had to pay him and that, you know, there was no reason to not give him a big deal. And it's going to come again with Orlando Brown and Tyreek Hill and some of the other players in this wave. So yeah, we don't need to go down the salary cap road. Um, that's our favorite road for sure. That's the old town well, road. It's fake us. anyway. So yeah. We, yeah. we don't need to why talk we, about why it. Why do we talk about it? Um, what's not fake is our first edition of our power rankings. Um, we've got the top 10 teams in the NFL, according to Christian and Price. Um, now, I think the best way to do this is just go down the list and I give my one, you give your one, and then we can kind of discuss at the end here. Um, my philosophy. So here's the thing. There's a lot of fake outrage that exists about power rankings. Um, I do my power rankings like I believe they're meant to be done and meaning the truly the best team, 10 teams in the NFL. I don't do um, college basketball or college football rankings where this team beat this team. So therefore, this team can't be behind this team sort of thing. I don't I don't really do that because. I think that's silly. You know, I think, I think we can recognize that sometimes things happen in, in a single game, obviously because the jets beat the Titans this week, the jets aren't going to be power ranked ahead of the Titans. Um, so I am going to, do we start at the bottom or do we start at the top? What do you think? You know what? I say we build suspense. Let's start from the bottom. Okay. So my 10th team in the NFL is the Ravens. Yours is the chargers. Okay. Um, my ninth team is the Cardinals. 49ers for me. Car hold on, hold on. Cardinals? Yeah. That's not your second best team. Um, no, it's not. Can um, I get an explanation a little bit? I mean, uh yeah, to so me, that's outrageous. They, having they, them that low. Let me ask you this. If the Vikings kicker kicks an extra point and makes it, because that's the distance of a field goal that they missed. And they're three and one instead of four or no. Are they even in your top 10? Yeah. They beat the Rams, which was the number one team in the league for me. So, Not anymore, but I think I think that that was a little bit of classic trap game for the Rams coming off a huge game with the Bucks. 
I think, and I mean, here's the thing. I've got the Cardinals at ninth. I don't hate them. I don't have them, you know, at 15 or anything. To me, I just see a team that had two really close kind of last second wins um, and is getting away with a few things that I'm not sure they're going to be able to continue to get away with defensively. Um, and I think, you know, I think that they really rose up and did have a great game against the Rams. But long term, like, let me ask you this. I give you the Cardinals. I'll take the Rams. You want to bet more money that the Ram? You want to take money that the Cardinals are going to beat the Rams again or win the division again? Oh no, I have the Rams above the Cardinals, but I'm just saying to have them at ninth. I don't know if they're better than. I mean, I don't know if they're worse than the Packers are, or the Bucks. Yeah, but that's that, all I'm saying. That's all. That, I'm saying. That's fair. Part of this is too is um, I'm not a buyer of Cliff Kingsbury stock. Um, I don't think that he's a very savvy guy. I don't think he makes a lot of smart in-game decisions. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. Let's put it that way. Well, that's fair. That you're, it's fair to be skeptical, skeptical of him up until this point, but yeah. So who you got at eight, uh, eight, I have the Cowboys. Okay. Ravens for me. Seven. I have the Packers at seven unpopular. It's going to be the chiefs just defense wise. It's not great. So, yeah, I, I think, I think what we're seeing my, I would say that my, um, my power rankings move little to none week to week. Like, I, like for me to start like really moving teams up, I've got to see, like, it's got to be a week over week type of thing. Cause like, I bet my power rankings here probably haven't changed that much from the beginning of the year. Um, and I know that we've seen four games, but I would just say that I think my power rankings move pretty slowly. Yours seem to, and th- there's nothing wrong with it, tomato, tomato. But I think yours might be a little bit more week to week than mine is, which is okay. Yeah. Um, well, and, and like I said, I go through every week, and obviously there are some weeks that you overreact and, oh, the Jets beat the Titans, the Titans are garbage. Well, you know, that, that just happens. So some of these rankings, obviously, I don't think the Chiefs are going to end up as the seventh worst team in the league, but I think up until this point, they've played as the seventh best team in the league, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue that it, I can completely see where you're coming from. Um, Okay. So my seventh team was the Packers. My sixth team is the Chargers. Um, Full disclosure, I made this list before Monday Night Football, but I still feel like they're right on the cusp of a top five team. Oh, yeah. They've got an above-average offense and an above-average defense, which I had in my notes, and they almost threw that game away. They really tried to be the Chargers on Monday, but they they ended up pulling it through, and thank goodness for my my sports book. So at six, I have the Bucks because of their bad secondary and their injuries. I mean, you saw they were playing Richard Sherman, who was, you know, in a police station three weeks ago. So could be could be better. For the, for the Bucks, but um, my fifth team is the Rams. Um, obviously, they kind of just had a big loss against the Cardinals, but I think that overall, you know, we 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 never want to overreact to one loss or one win so much that it changes our total outlook on a team. Um, still think the Rams are a good team that's going to you know be in contention for the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. But um, obviously, there's still the depth concerns are there. And, you know, we saw bad Matt, Matt Stafford this week. And he, he exists, too. It wasn't all just because the Lions are stupid. 
successful. And one of the reasons why Cooper Cup has been exploding on fantasy is because Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford locks into him every single game. And when they took that away, you saw it. I mean, he's throwing two-yard dumps to Deshaun Jackson, like one of the best deep threats in the game. Like, you can't be doing that and expect to win a football game. For, for my fifth, I have the Packers. I think they have a better defense than people give it give them credit for, and they have Aaron Rodgers. So, um, my fourth team is the Browns. Um, I know that they kind of had a sloppy win this week, but I think that's important for teams to be able to win ugly sometimes as well. Browns are my fourth as well. They got they win in the trenches, dude. Great offensive line, great defensive line. Exactly. My third team is the Bills. The Rams are my third team. I have the Chiefs at two. The Cards are at two for me. And then my number one overall team is the Bucks. The Bills are number one for me. See, that's- I, I figure that's where you're going to go. And I want you to tell me how you have the best team in the NFL being their only loss is against the Steelers, who also happen to have the best quarterback they faced and Ben Roethlisberger. The best team, the best quarterback that the Bills have faced this season is Big Ben. And that saves. Well, okay. I think he's the worst quarterback in the league. So I won't go there with you, but I'll say that you play who you play. Like the, the Bills I mean, have played that, incredible. That's, complete, they, that's completely fair. But like, let me ask you this How much did your opinion of the Chiefs change after the Eagles game? Like, percentage. Not a whole wise. lot. Okay. Not a whole lot. And the Eagles are more of a team than anything the Bills have played the last couple of weeks. They beat, oh, yeah, but they beat but the Dolphins. The they beat the Dolphins in a game where um, Tua got hurt early, and what's his name came in and was completely unprepared, and the deep and the offense was pitiful. They beat the Washington Football Team, who I'm here to tell you were the sucker bet of the year this year. <laughs> you, if you if you bought into the Washington Football Team this year. You are hook, line, and sinker. You probably drafted them in fantasy high, their defense. That, that is the classic uh, first-to-worst team. Every year it happens. And, yes, Tyler Heineke is kind of salty, kind of like, you know, sporty, but he is, he is nothing compared to what they're going to face this week. Now, I'm not saying that the Bills suck. I mean, I've got them at three, but I, I do not see anything for me to say that, yep, unequivocally, they're battle-proven best team in the NFL. Well, okay, let me put it to you this way. They've scored as many points as the Chiefs scored, 134 points, and they've only allowed a third of the points that the Chiefs play. Uh, the Chiefs have allowed. Yeah, so, dog, they, they really know how to lock down something named Davis Mills. Okay, but let, let's look at that offense, though, right? Like, they're playing up against talented defense. Oh, yeah. The, Mike Tomlin, that, that Steelers defense has they been lost. good for as long as I can remember. Yeah, they did. they lost one game. You have the Chiefs at two. They lost two games. Yeah, and my point isn't not so much that the – like, again, I've got the Chiefs one spot ahead of the Bills. But my point is is that, like, what what occurred – like, if we did our beginning of the season power rankings, where would you probably have the Chiefs? One or two, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, so what has changed about the way the Bills have played to make you say that they've surpassed the Bucks and the Bills? Or the Bucks and the Chiefs? Just was their it, ability to play offense. I mean, this is a great offensive team. Dawson Knox came out of nowhere. And it was incredible. To me, they are almost precisely what they were last year. 
Now, I reserve the right to change my opinion with more information. If they come out here and hold the Chiefs offense to 14 points, then they're really on to something. But, and I mean, here's the thing. You're 100% right. They can only win the games that are in front of them. I'm not asking them to do anything more than that. All I'm saying is I'm not ready to call them the best team in the NFL based upon the information. They need to be battle-tested. I mean, you know, there were people who put the Raiders as a top team in the NFL, and then they faced a real team last night, and look what happened. You know, I I think the Bills are better than the Raiders, obviously. But for me, um, and this goes back to the little bit, not not what have you done for me lately type of thing. The Bucks, yes, their secondary is really struggling, but one thing is is that a lot of the injuries that they have are not long-term injuries. They're not guys who are out for the year like they are with the Ravens. Um, the Bucks still have the best roster in the NFL, in my opinion, and when it comes time to the playoffs, they will have those guys ready to go. And I think, you know, when it comes time for got to have it, you know, need a drive to win it, I still think that that roster is just really, really complete. I think that they know how to win. I think that the um, the amount of weapons there is still just what makes them so dangerous. I mean, we saw it the game again in New England, that they went down and won that game whenever it was ugly, it wasn't easy, but they got it done. And I, I, I just think that at this time I would have a hard time putting – the Bucks anywhere other than one. See, and, and I'll push back there because they scored 19 points against, I mean, who, who, who did they play? Name the second tight end on that team. And I'll give you a million dollars. Like I mean, John, John o. Smith or Hunter Henry. Mm, well, I owe you a million dollars because <laughs> you picked, you picked the wrong there's team. Nobody, to do that. But no, here's there's nobody on that offense. There, there's yeah. nobody on that offense. That offensive and here's the line thing. is not it's, great. There also has to be something to to be said, like you got to be able to win in multiple ways. Yes, they only scored 19 points, but they also hold held an offense to, down. You know, their defense that was depleted in the secondary you just brought up, they were able to win a game with 19 points because they held the other team down. No, that matter. Rookie quarterback and yeah. nobody on offense. Like, who are the weapons? Jacoby Myers? Like that? That's their best wide receiver. I mean, I think I think you're underselling the Bill Belichick aspect a little bit. If you don't think that Bill Belichick tried to have the game of his life against Tom Brady, I mean, you know, you know that that was that was part of this whole story. Part of what made that game compelling at all was the Belichick versus Brady element of it. Now, again, I my my rating, like I I would put as far as my stock on the power ratings, I would put my stock as far as what I believe about these teams to be like sixty to seventy percent priors to the season meaning like what these teams have been and what they will be going forward. Not necessarily what have you done for me lately. And then I kind of manipulate a little bit based off of like probably the biggest riser for me is the Cowboys. The reason why I knew that that offense was going to be great. And as long as the two things that were out there was Dak Prescott being healthy and then the defense just being some form of competence, which they are. To me, they're the 2018 Chiefs right now. Like that's that's very similar to what they are. I don't think Dak Prescott is Patrick Mahomes level, but they are. You know, they have just enough defense to be dangerous. And I've raised them up from what I've seen them from what they were. They probably wouldn't have been in my ten before. But um, you know, with the Bucks, they're they're three and one. I mean, it's not like I understand that. You know, the win wasn't pretty. Tom Brady was clearly sick all week. It was a shitty game. The weather, you know, was pouring down rain. I think Bill Belichick tried to have himself a game 
you know that he knows how to push Tom Brady's buttons. He's done it in practice time after time. Oh, yeah. But with that being said, you know, I think this just boils down to a, a different philosophy in building our power rankings. I think that we all like I'm not saying that the Bucks are not going to end up as the favorites to come out of the NFC. Same way as I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't still going to be the favorites to come out of the AFC. But just as far as it's gone this far, like you can only play as well as as your team will play. So the, the Chiefs defense might be better. I don't think they will be, or at least they haven't shown anything to, to prove that yet. So sure. I guess the way that I look at power rankings is a little bit more of like, if you had to lay money on one team, making it to the Super Bowl and winning it again, who, where are you placing your money? You know, like, cause me, to me, that tells me like how you really feel. Like, you know, if, when it comes to your money, like all of a sudden you start caring a lot more. And I mean, the bucks have the clear one, they have the clearest pass, you know, like most of our top 10 is made up of AFC teams. And two, they have the guy who's done it time and time again, a roster that's stacked, a coach that's just proven that they can do it. You know, that's if I had to place money on one team to make it to the Super Bowl and win it, that's it. Now, to be clear, the amount of confidence I have in that is like what it would be with gambling odds where like, you know, they're like 19% to make it to the playoffs or to the Super Bowl. The odds aren't high, but if I had to pick one, that's who I'd roll with. Yeah, which I mean is interesting. I I respect your opinion, but then again, you know it is it is our opinions when we go into this. So for sure, we'll check back on these. We don't we're not going to do this yeah, every week. Yeah, because it because it does get a little bit. I mean, you know, we're not going to throw a party over the Packers beating um, the Texans or something like that and try to move them up the rankings. But the last piece of business, talking about um, the best team in the National Football League and the Chiefs, it's Sunday Night Football: Chiefs versus Bills. Um, Christian, why don't you start talking about your Bills? So my Buffalo Bills. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I think the Bills are going to play great. I think their defense, this is is incredible. I think they've been playing really, really well. Their offense, obviously, is stacked. I do think Josh Allen has regressed a little bit, but that was to be expected. He had the best season of his entire career last year. And so, obviously, they're going to come down. Mahomes wasn't going to stay at 50 and. 5,000 every single year, right? There's going to be ups and downs, ebbs and flows and and how the players play. But I think the offense, I mean, you got Stefan Diggs, you got Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, good, good platoon of backers, a pretty good offensive line and Dawson Knox, my fantasy pickup for this week. So if you don't have him in your league, definitely grab him. He's going to eat on this Chiefs defense. Yeah, um, I, so similar to you, I think right now the thing that we can really take away from how the Bills are playing is that it is a defensive success story right now for them. Most of that is going to be based off of how they played against some lesser quarterbacks. But they have seemed to sure up some things that were really a problem for them earlier. Um, most of that being against the run. Um, last year, star Little Lulutulewe, I can't really pronounce his name that well. He's a defensive tackle. His first name is Star. Um, but he opted out last year. He came back this year. He's really strong against, um, he's a pass rush guy. He's not really as much a run defense guy, but he's a strong guy on the inside. Um, Ed Oliver's having a better season this year. Um, and that defensive line has kind of stepped up. AJ Espinessa is having a good year on the edge. The defensive line has really kind of taken a step forward where they struggled last year. You got Jerry Hughes, 
Um, they've got Gregory Russo, who's a draft pick for them this year. So there's there's some reason to be optimistic about the defense. Matt Milano is PFF's number one linebacker right now. Now, you know, it's four games in, so that's subject to change. But the question for me that re- remains for this defense is the same thing that was in the AFC Championship, and it's who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? Because I'm still not sure that person on this team exists. And who knows, maybe Milano, maybe, maybe it's him this year and he's just going to have a better game. But um, I guess my first kind of key to the game is going to be establish the Kelsey um, because he killed the Bills last year um, in that AFC championship game. Um, and he also had a touchdown in the regular season game against Chiefs Bills. So really like to see them get Kelsey going again, open up the middle of that field. And then that allows the Tyree kill big plays to happen. Yeah, and my first key to playing or to winning this game for the Chiefs is to get turnovers. I mean, how many turnovers do we have this year? Not very many. I I went to look it up. I didn't have enough time um, between my classes and now, but it's very, very low. Tyron Matthew has two picks. There was one fumble recovery in this last game. The Chiefs have to be better about getting the opposing defense off the field or opposing offense off of the field. And they have been able to do that by getting a three and out. So the best way you go about doing that, if you can't force a stop on defense, is to make a play, intercept the ball. We got playmakers all over the field. Mike Hughes, great. I mean, you saw it against, and who were they playing? Whichever team he got an interception in, Tyron Matthew, two in the first quarter. It's very possible this Chiefs defense can can force some turnovers, play physical, get the ball out of their hands, and, and give the opportunity the offense more opportunities to score yeah for um when it comes to the bills i think i think one of the things that you really have to keep an eye on especially was you know there was this idea that the chiefs really had josh allen's number last year um the second time that they faced in the afc championship stefan diggs was not close to himself he was really struggling um the Bills had no running offense to say for. Um, Zach Moss has kind of come on for them this year. They are running the ball with a little bit more efficiency. Um, last year was virtually non-existent. And then a huge pickup for them, one that I really wanted the Chiefs to do, but Chiefs fans told me he was old and washed and wouldn't be any good. He's 30th overall on, out of 110 wide receivers for PFF. Emmanuel Sanders has added another element to this offense. And, you know, this is this is – applies to the Josh Gordon edition as well. But the third pass catching, pass catching option is huge for teams to have that third guy that they can go to if the other two are shut down. Um, and Sanders is that with um, obviously Diggs, uh, Cole Beasley. He's going to be running around um, catching the stuff underneath. So for me, the second thing is that the Chiefs really, I would really like to see them let one guy beat them and then try to shut down those secondary guys, Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. Because those are the guys who are the backbreakers. You can deal with Stephon Diggs getting his 100 yards, but if Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders is taking the deep, the top off and they're getting you know, 10, 12 catches underneath, that's really what's going to kill them. I think you're asking too much of this defense. <laughs> that's, that's what I think because hey, I can, been able I, I to can stop ask all one. I want. I, I can ask all I want. I just am not going you know, to hold my breath. Yeah. Well, my second key to victory – is the Chiefs' offensive line and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They have to control the the point of attack being the offensive line. Clyde edwards 
Zolaris had over 100 yards in the past two games, which is amazing. And if you'll remember back to last year when we played them the first time, we ran all over the Buffalo Bills with our second string offensive line. I think it was Allegretti, Rimmers, and Austin Ryder at center. Like if we did that to them with them, we can absolutely dominate the offensive line and run all over them this game. So if the offensive line plays up to par like they have been, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire can come in and, and do what he has done the past two games, I think we'll be sitting pretty. Yeah, I, I agree. That's a really good one. I, I definitely think this is a game that you want to see the, offen- the offensive line get a push early and see the Chiefs be able to run the ball. Um, I think this is a, a really good defense for them to do that with, to really test and see if that rush defense is fixed. Um, and my final, my final thing to watch or big key to the game is going to be Mahomes just continuing to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, he still had that pick in the other game, I feel, or in the game against the Eagles. I feel like right now with the defense, he's terrified to punt because if he, he knows if they punt, the other team scores. And, you know, we saw in 2018, he had more interceptions. And I feel like it's kind of getting to that level where he's trying to make stuff happen because of the defense. And I, I just wish that as bad as it sounds, I wish he kind of would swallow some of those balls a little bit and just, uh, wow, that did sound really bad. Uh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Damn it. That, um, that's hard to come back from, but that, that's him all right, to, man. yeah, for him Keep to just, going. you know, take his medicine, stand in the pocket, fall down to the ground um, and take a sack rather than, um, you know, trying to make something happen and making a bad play because I feel like, you know, right now, a turnover and a punt both equal points for the other team. So at least let us punt and, you know, try to get the ball a little bit further down the field. Um, and all, you know, but other than that, he, he's been so good this year so far. So just like to see him continue to have that success, take care of the ball, this whole offense in general just needs to take care of the ball. Yeah. Mahomes swallowing balls will definitely be a, a big part of our offense come Sunday. I uh, could not agree more. And on that note, <laughs> Um, I think we're done for the day. I think no, I still have one more, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Trying to cut me off. No, uh, I think one thing our defense has to do, specifically Chris Jones, uh, is is get more pressures. I mean, come on, dude. You said you were gonna be good this year. I had you as the defensive player then of the year. Make me right. I want to be right as much as I possibly can. Come in, get two or three sacks, light them up. It, it's not a particularly hard offensive line to play against. Just come in and do your thing, man. And to everybody saying that he needs to switch back to defensive tackle, I don't think you realize how much weight he lost over the summer. He's in this weird spot where he can't play defensive tackle because he's not quite big enough. He's not quite as effective with his bull rush. He needs to come in, establish himself as a defensive end, as much as I wish he wouldn't have done this in the first place. Come in, two or three sacks, light him up, get Josh Allen under duress, maybe have the defensive ends or not defensive ends, the uh, cornerback safeties play up press, man. Don't let them dink and dunk on us. Like Jalen hurts did for 32 attempts. I mean, like, or 48 attempts, 32 completions, just, you know, give Chris Jones, give the defensive line some time to get in there and, and sack the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I maybe push back a little bit. I, I think that he can make that switch back to defensive tackle especially because um, there's quite a few players that actually do gain some weight in season. Um, 
which is some of that's just muscle from lifting so much. Some of that's from um, eating a little bit and not doing the same workout regimen that they might do in the off season. But I, I definitely think that there's still optimism for the pass rush. Mike Dana has looked good. Um, and, you know, he's got as many sacks as Chris Jones does at this point. Um, and, you know, we're still holding our breath for Frank Clark and Jaron Reed to do something, literally anything. Um, but, yeah, nope. pass rush was – I mean, Chris Jones had a huge game against the Bills um, in the AFC Championship. So it'll be good. It'd be good to see that. It'll be a spectacle, no doubt. Man, I tell you what, to me, like what is the um, primetime Sunday night football game is the best game. Like Monday night football is great. Thursday night football is a wet fart noise. But man, like hearing Al, um, Al Michaels and then seeing the Collinsworth slide in and like knowing it's Sunday oh, yeah, night football and everyone's watching, ugh, it, it's the biggest vibe for sure. Oh, yeah. And the Carrie Underwood presentation, just incredible. I get chills every time it happens. But one more thing before we get out of here. For as much shit as we give Beach, Mike Dana has been an incredible pickup. I mean, coming in and getting two sacks in one game, how, how you cannot expect that out of an undrafted free agent to come in here well, and he was play a fifth, as he's played. He was a fifth round pick out of Michigan. Oh, I'm, I'm mixing him up with Treshawn Wharton. But yeah. either way, I mean, Wharton's been kind of MIA this year. We were expecting big things for him. But, I mean, your point, yeah. your point still remains that, you know, a lot of people really question the Dana pick because he had a good year at Mississippi State, and then he transferred – or not Mississippi, excuse me. Michigan. Michigan yeah, Michigan yeah. State. And then he transferred to Michigan. And his last year, he had zero sacks. Um, he kind of reminded me a little bit of Joshua Kando. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think that what he is is he is a really solid two or three edge rusher. He's assignment sound. He's pretty solid against the run, and he gets those coverage sacks whenever whenever those happen. Um, he, he's great if he's got you know someone really good on the other side of him. Um, and yeah, I mean Brett Veach does deserve credit for those. He's at this point Brett Veach has as many successes in the late rounds as he does in the top rounds, and that that's at times concerning, but also you know a blessing in disguise. But you know we just talked about Creed Humphrey being the number three center in the NFL right now. That that can't be ignored either. Well, so can I draw a comparison real quick and you can tell me how you feel about it? I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, does that like ring true to you at all? Like Sean Carroll, Pete Carroll, I just got the mix up with Sean Payton, uh, Pete Carroll drafting guys late in rounds, like Richard Sherman, who would be our luxurious need. Other players, late round pickups that are playing really, really well come in. I mean, missing on all of their first and second round picks and then the offense being really, really good and the defense being mediocre below average. Like that that to me, it's kind of a combination between like the Seahawks past and the Seahawks of now. But for some reason, I, I don't know why my head just goes right to the uh, Seattle Seahawks for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think there's some comparisons to be made there. Um, and you know, the way the Chiefs are trending, you could make a lot of arguments that the Seahawks and the Chiefs are on similar trajectories, back-to-back Super Bowls, won one, lost the other, um, you know, you can definitely see it. Hopefully the Chiefs don't do something as stupid as the Jamal Adams trade, but then again, they might've already with the Frank Clark trade, but, um, you know, that was two first round picks that they gave up for Jamal Adams, but which overall, is ridiculous. Yeah. Overall, I, I can't I think, believe that. Yeah. The, the Seahawks have really struggled to draft well in those late rounds since Pete Carroll wasn't a college coach. 
if you go back and look at some of those drafts that he crushed really early is when, you know, he was from USC and really knew the players better um, than a lot of the NFL teams did because he was scouting them for recruiting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, there's definitely some comparisons to be made there and the Seahawks aren't complete idiots in the draft. I mean, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are giving them great production right now. Um, and that can't be ignored either, but, um, yeah, final predictions for Chiefs Bills. Christian, what are you thinking for a final score in this game? So I think it's going to be a little bit low scoring. I say low scoring um, for the Chiefs as being like just above 30 points. I mean, like 31 is what I have them at and the Bills at 25, 24, 24 I'm gonna somewhere, take, somewhere around there. I'm going to take Chiefs 43, Bills 40. A shootout. Wow. One, one that gets Michaels and Collinsworth all hot and bothered, riled up. Josh Gordon's going to come out and look good. We're going to have zero confidence in the defense after the game is over. But in the end, I think that the, I think, I think when it comes down to it, Josh Allen is going to make a few mistakes, not necessarily interceptions, but accuracy issues or whatever that Mahomes doesn't. And that's going to be the difference in the game. So I'll put you on the spot here before we get out of here. Over or under 50 yards for Josh Gordon. What do you think? Oh, man, it's hard. You, you got to take the under because, you know, we're, we're, we're going off of glowing reports for Ian Rappaport, which mean nothing. You know, that, that literally means nothing. In fact, yep. it, could mean, it could mean just the opposite. Josh Gordon might look like shit in that the Chiefs are just leaking that to try to to get respect for him when he goes out there and jogs out there and sucks. Now, I don't, I don't think that's possible. But also, Josh Gordon's the type of player that could bust the over on that in one play, you know? And you feel like when he's on the field, the Chiefs are going to kind of make it a point of emphasis. But then again, the Bills might know that, and then they might focus more on Josh Gordon. You know, I'm just not sure. Um, but I, you got you to take the under on that just because we haven't seen him do this in like literally two years. Yeah, and, and I would say that as well. I think that Coach Reed has been, you know, pretty good about making it a point of emphasis to get guys involved. You saw it with McCole Hardman in the AFC. I think it was the championship game. Uh-huh. And, you know, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire after his fumble spree, if you want to call it that, I think he'll get about five or six targets. I'm just not sure that they'll be, you know, deep down the field where he's taking the top off the defense and just, you know, outrun yeah, some. I, I I don't think that that's the role that Josh Gordon will ever have. I think, I think what you're looking at is him, um, you know, really dominating the ten to fifteen yard range. If he can be that, and then a red zone weapon will be exactly what he needs to be. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that we're going to see the big deep ball guy, and, may, and maybe we will, and that that would be great too. But to me, if he can just really you know punish those teams that are dropping so far back in coverage with their safeties and eat up nine, 10 yard chunks at a time rather than running the ball for three or four yards at a time. Um, that That is really the last piece that this offense is missing. And with the way that they're running the ball, man, I don't, I don't know how you stop it. No, it's impossible. And the Bills have been pretty good about stopping offenses before now. But like you said, they aren't the Chiefs. For sure. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate, as always, listening to the podcast. Um, coming up on probably the weekend edition of the podcast, um, I'm going to have an exclusive interview with Ryan Murphy. He um, works for SIA. It's I don't remember what the acronym is for, 
but we do a little wrap up on the Royal season as a whole. We talk about the future. We talk about kind of how the team is transitioning into a new window. Look forward to you guys listening to it. Really excited to talk some baseball. Um, as always, you guys can find us our work at Arrowhead Live. Um, I can be found at Price A. Carter. Christian can be found on Twitter at C underscore Breezy Edits. C Breezy C- underscore Edits. See the mean, breeze. Yeah, Price. that's right. I, it's almost a joke at this point. It's like, <laughs> it's like home improvement where you never see Wilson's face. Um, but we appreciate you guys listening. As always, thanks for tuning in to Not Just Another Sports Podcast.